You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. This podcast is brought to you by Penji. I am your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have Sahil Lavinia. Sahil is the founder and CEO of Gumroad. Gumroad exists to help every creative earn a living selling the stuff they make directly to their audience. Previously, he was an early employee at Pinterest, and in his spare time, you could find him thinking and pondering life's most valuable questions, and also painting, which we will talk about in the very beginning of the episode. This is one of those episodes where I did a ton of research because I was incredibly interested in the journey of Gumroad and Sahil specifically, and I only asked about half of what I originally wanted to ask. We went down several rabbit holes, which was absolutely awesome and totally okay. Um, Sahil was uh, an incredible guest. He's really, really effing smart, and he's incredibly self-aware, which is absolutely inspiring. He thinks about a lot of the things, he thinks about the, the things that matter most, and not only that, but what matter most to him, which, again, is also inspiring. But needless to say, we, we talk ab- about his most recent claim to fame, which uh, the reason why this entire conversation started in the first place was his Medium articles, which is going to be linked in the show notes. Uh, I, I read both of his uh, viral articles, and they're absolutely awesome. So I, I, I recommend you listening to them, or excuse me, reading them as well. Um, but we also talk about transparency, getting funding, and, and the troubles of that. Uh, ego, importance or lack thereof of numbers, wasted time, the definition of wasted time, and sending over $200 million to creators. Check it out. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co, P-E-N-J-I dot C-O, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now... Let's get to today's episode. Dahil, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's an absolute honor as a follower of your content for a long time. Um, and as it's just a true fan of how you built the company and the honesty, um, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. So thank you so much for your time. That's nice to hear for sure. Yeah, so I'm going to start the, the first question off with a little bit of a fun one. So is it true that if Gumroad and entrepreneurship um, were to fail miserably for you, you'd probably be the next Bob Ross? <laughs> uh, that is uh, probably more likely uh, than not at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I started painting like two years ago. And like people ask me all the time, like, how'd you get into painting? It's kind of a weird thing and also it's kind of a thing that everyone kind of has like tried a little bit like either in school or through the bob ross stuff 
And I don't just genuinely don't remember how I got into it. I think I, I, I just didn't know what I was going to do with my time every day. And I was like, I need, I just need to do stuff. Like I just need things in my, in my calendar. Oh, there's like this art class uh, every week. I can go, I can just start going to that and that'll give me something to do. And then I just like fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, that's great. Found it was like way more similar and way more kind of like applicable to learnings from painting that I can apply to my writing and to running Gumroad and entrepreneurship and things like that. There's a lot more in, in, in common than, than you, you might think. I, I can imagine. And I mean, speaking of your writing, I mean, some of the things that you post on Twitter are just straight fire. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going through in the day, but I feel like you just speak it. You're speaking my language every time I go on Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, the thing is like, I'm actually doing stuff, right? Like, I think the, I think there's sort of like this idea that you have to kind of be super successful to like start tweeting a lot. You know, that you have to be a VC or something like that, but people just want to hear about, Act like other people that are dealing with the same stuff like it's much more useful actually to learn from someone who's failed before because if someone's just succeeded their whole life like what are you going to learn from them i mean it's not they're not going to be really be able to yeah this is what you do when you're super successful and you're like okay cool <laughs> i'll keep yeah. that in mind i'm super successful you know no, absolutely. I mean, that's a large portion of the conversation that I think we'll have today is just the the idea of reflecting on failure. And I think, I mean, again, this is you know, me tooting your horn again. Um, I think you do an incredible job of that. And I just love the the transparency that you have behind failure. And a lot of the questions that I'll have for you is kind of going to be I guess, tailored around the two articles that went relatively viral. Mm -hmm. And it was the from bubble to bubble and reflecting on my failure to build a billion dollar company. And so my first question is in the realm of business is why did you inevitably write these articles in the first place? Yeah. I mean, so I, there's a variety of reasons, but I think for me, it's really hard for me to really understand and like parse an experience or a set of experiences that I've been through without really taking the time to write it down and not just write it down, but really like turn it into a narrative, uh, like a, a story. Uh, and that's always been really important to me. Um, as I just like think about my own life, like I really want to sit down and be like, okay, I spent like five years doing this or eight years doing this or six months doing this. And unless you're really like, I feel like looking back and kind of doing like a postmortem almost and like, what, you know, what did, what did I learn and how can I apply this to going forward? You're just gonna, it's easier to get stuck in sort of the same patterns. Um, and then, you know, I just love, I love words. I think this is something that I think people that see my tweets and stuff, like they might not realize, like, I think a big reason the tweets do as well as they do and also why I do it is because I just like words a lot. And I like playing with the words and saying, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm saying anything super original or crazy, but like I, I try to say them in my own way. Um, and they're funny, hopefully a little bit and entertaining and things like that. And so I, that's kind of what I try to do is I try to take like a lesson, like for example, with From Bubble to Bubble, I moved from San Francisco, which is like 90 plus percent liberal and Hillary Clinton supporters to Provo, Utah, which is like 90% basically uh, Republican and uh, sort of Donald Trump supporters, or at least Donald Trump voters. And, you know, you know, you could write a bunch of articles about, about that. But I, I just wanted to tell my story. Like, what did I learn? Like, what did I go into it at uh, sort of 
armed with like what did I want to get out of it and then what actually happened like what what how did I change yeah. I think that's that's like sort of the underlying current in a lot of the things that I think about is like how did I change and when I write fiction which is a big thing that I've been focused on too in the last couple of years that's what stories are about right like when you when you when you really get attached to a character it's not about like the, the the magic that they can do or uh, I don't know, like the drag that they can ride or, or whatever. It's like where they started and where they ended up and like all the struggles that they had along the way. That's what, you know, when you, when you think about, I don't know, Game of Thrones character or something like that, that's what drives you uh, to engage with this person, to buy their content, to put their bobblehead on your desk, right? Like to kind of be reminded of like, this person did that thing. Um, even though they're made up, they're totally made up characters. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's kind of the same thing. I almost think of it like a, like a fiction piece. Like how do I tell a really compelling story about this character that struggled to learn a bunch, learned a bunch of things and is sort of like out the other side being a better, a better human being because of it. I mean, that's an incredibly um, cool way to think about, I guess, just branding as a whole is you're the either the villain or the the hero of your own story and it's up to you to be able to explain how and get people interested in order to make it happen right totally and there you know you look at the sort of the themes of just of especially what western culture right you have the hero's journey right right which is like pretty sort of a pretty famous story structure where you have someone who sort of gets called to do something says no and then is forced to say yes and then sort of goes into the underworld for a while, learns a bunch of stuff, figures out some secret, and then brings back that secret and returns to the same place, but better. That's sort of a, you know, Harry Potter or Cinderella or uh, any, really any, any sort of major thing is sort of uh, loosely based on this. You can't get away from it, like the, you know, Christianity, et cetera. So it's, it's that, right? Which is like what, you, you, you're in a stable place and then you, 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 are forced to sort of reckon with instability and you conquer that instability, you learn stuff from it, and then you use those learnings to improve the original world that you return to. And that's the same, right? Like that's like moving from San Francisco, which is super liberal to Provo and then figuring out like, oh, I've been thinking about some of this stuff the wrong way. And so now in my own life, I can apply it and sort of be a better person. And like even my tweets on startup stuff, which is sort of the world that I was, has, had always been a part of, I think is much better off for it. And my perspective on those things is, is, is in a much better place when I build Gumroad. And all these things that I, I, I was doing in San Francisco, I, I'm just doing better now. Yeah. I mean, to that, to that extent, when it, when it comes to storytelling, I would say that a large majority of the, of the people listening or just a large majority of people in startup culture in general, if they're a founder or entrepreneur, et cetera, the end goal, the fairy tale is get funding right off into the sunset everything mm -hmm. good to go and I don't have to work anymore. Yeah. Um, and you kind of went down the road of uh, funding and then realized that, you know, if you want to share your story by all means, but I feel like you, you might have a different opinion on that now than rather than going through it than what you uh, originally thought of, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like that story is basically you have an idea, you build it out, you, go talk to Silicon Valley VCs and angels. You raise a bunch of money. I raised a $1.1 million seed round. And then a few months later, I raised $7 million. I was 19, solo founder, no employees. So kind of like the, 
top of the top in terms of just like you couldn't imagine a, a sort of a more television like script yeah. almost I mean, you know? everybody was writing about you at the at the time yeah school, obviously but you are the king i mean I'll, <laughs> I'll i'll say it uh for you you are the king of of startups yeah for a brief for a brief moment uh and you know then you you take those that money and then you hire a bunch of people and then you grow the business and then you sort of raise more money and you do that over and over again until you ipo or you sell for hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars that's sort of like the the dream uh per se and i think what 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 shifted for me is is it's sort of like an external versus internal thing um externally i think that's great uh you know you can sort of buy a mansion and buy a Tesla and, and do all these things that sort of like we've been told is sort of like what you, what, what happiness is and what happiness mm -hmm. looks like. And maybe not even happiness, but just success. Like what you should do as like an American citizen, it's your duty to, to, to sort of, to, to use capitalism in this way, because that's, uh, that's what drives uh, the world forward, et cetera. And, uh, and, and, and I switched to kind of more of like an internal, an internal sort of like trajectory, right. Which is like, okay, like I failed to do that. Um, but, um, I grew as a person and like, how do I, how do I really spend more time thinking about how did I change? What did I learn? How can I share those learnings? And really, honestly, like, I think a big component of, of, of character change, like character arcs in fiction, um, and, probably in reality is not necessarily that you change your goal, uh, but you realize that what you wanted at all, that the whole time was actually sort of a deeper level that you didn't really explore. You thought you wanted wealth, but you really just wanted wealth because you wanted um, people to take you seriously, for mm -hmm. example. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that, I think that's sort of a, a, a thing for me. Um, I haven't really sort of explored this like at, at large uh, uh, publicly, um, but I'll do it here. Like, I think a big part of it for me was just like this lack of confidence. And I have this weird sort of dichotomy where on certain things I have like tremendous amounts of com uh, confidence and on other things I have almost none. And that stems from childhood, uh, whatever. And, uh, uh, nothing too crazy, but just a lot of stuff that people yeah. deal with. Growing up. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and you know, like being a billionaire is certainly one way to say, actually like, screw you guys. Like I did it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you realize like oh that's what i wanted like i just want confidence i want to know that i'm i'm doing something good for the world and that i i am um okay you know like when i raised that much money it wasn't like oh i had done it it's like ah oh, crap now i have to really do it right like i'm a, I, otherwise i'm going to be exposed as a fraud um that i was able to convince these investors that i was able to raise money but i'm not that good of a designer not that good of an engineer i'm uh, not that good of a writer, salesperson, recruiter, all of these things. And by the way, most people are not good at all of those things. You just cannot be. Um, you have to build a team that that is better than you. Um, but you know, when you when just like when you watch television, you you see unreality, right? You see these people that are doing things that no human can actually do. And that's kind of how our media is. You know, we see these people, these figures, um, these overnight successes, and we think, oh, that's what I need to be able to do and what I need to do in order to be uh, successful and sort of therefore happy. But that's not true. That doesn't exist. No one, you know, I know so many stories of people that you, you know, you look at, uh, you know, from the outside and you're like, oh, wow, like every single thing they did was perfect. And I'm sure if you talk to them, I'm sure that's true in some cases, but in several others, probably the vast, vast, vast majority, it's not true at all. 
Um, I have a, a one friend of mine who actually before Gumroad even, so this is like pre, uh, me or him being known in uh, known quantities in, in Silicon Valley, he now runs like a 10 plus billion dollar company that he started. He start, asked me, asked me to co-found it. And I said, no, <laughs> but, uh, that's life. Uh, but, but you know, I, and, I, 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 and we didn't really keep in touch aggressively, but then when Gumroad was going through a little bit of the downturn, you know, he reached out and he's like, Hey, would you be open to an acquisition? Like you could really do some really good stuff for us. And so we had ramen in San Francisco and just like the story that he told me of that company, I'm urging him to t tell it to everybody soon. Uh, hopefully he will. Um, was so different it was like he almost failed multiple times they like planned a layoff and they sort of structured this whole thing because they were running out of cash and they weren't able to raise any more money and then sort of just due to a sort of a chance market change like he was able to raise 75 million dollars you know like mm -hmm. on monday and on friday they were expecting to do the layoffs right like just like this told the story would have been so different and no one knows Right. Or very few people know that. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's just crazy. And, and I think the, the thing that I, I always try to tell people why I think it's so important to be public about failure and vulnerable about it is that if you don't, people just are going to think that, that his public story is the one, right. Is just the thing that you need is it, it's, it's like when I talk to creators in a certain industry and they say, Oh yeah, I'm just working on my craft. And if I like make really awesome music, like, you know, content is king, like it's going to go viral and I'm going to be successful. And it's like, well, do you know the real story behind Old Town Road? Do you know the real story behind Taylor Swift? Do you know the real story behind Kanye West? And I'm not saying they don't deserve their success. They, I think they do. I just think a lot more people do. And uh, thinking that it's just because of the music that they produced is just sort of it's just going to put you in a bad place because it's sort of, you're spending all of your time focused on something that might not be enough. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you, need, you need to be building your network. You need to be, you just need to be aware that, that, that the world is maybe not as meritocratic as you think. And once you get aware of that, you can, you can sort of spend more time putting yourself in an advantageous position. I mean, I, th I could clearly hear that just by the way you're answering these questions that you've done a lot of self analysis of just how you've, grown as a human being um i'd love to hear how much do you think early on you being the 19 year old and you being older now and, and more wise how much of it was ego um that kind of led you down the path versus and i guess was there a, a particular point in time where you kind of removed that ego i, I don't necessarily hear ego in your voice and how you're talking now but I'm sure yeah. there at one point in time uh, th yeah. there, had, there had to have been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I tweeted the, the, the night I had the idea for Gumroad sort of the Friday before the weekend that I shipped it as a weekend project on Hacker News, I tweeted. So it's sort of preserved in history. Um, <laughs> and I, I even put in my article because it was just like almost a, a comedic how kind of, uh, let's say, let's use the word optimistic it was. <laughs> Uh, where I said something like, you know, to, I just had an idea for my first billion dollar company, right? My first of many. Uh, and tomorrow I start building it, something like that. And so certainly there was, there was a huge ego component. Um, and I don't know if it was me genuinely thinking that was sort of possible or 100% chance, or if I just wanted to sort of put a stake in the ground so that if it happened, it would be a really cool cover on Time Magazine or something like that. Yeah. Uh, 
I think what it signaled was was this sort of mimetic nature of Silicon Valley, especially where you're you're so focused on impressing and signaling to the people within your own community, not the people who you're building for, right? Like not in that case, like musicians or creators, designers, writers, filmmakers, stand comedians, photographers, but just startup people, just the engineers, just the designers, maybe people on the Pinterest team that I was trying to signal that I was like really cool and really ambitious. And maybe some investors that, you know, had followed me uh, from sort of some blog posts that I had published on Hacker News or something like that. So I think a huge part of it was ego, I think broadly. Um, I think I'd always been pretty self-aware about it, but certainly like I was playing into it a huge amount. And at some point, like there's no difference, right? If you're playing into something, even though you, you know you, you might be sort of not into it internally, like there's no difference externally, you're doing the thing. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you're doing it just as much as someone who doesn't know that, <laughs> that they're, they're playing a game or, or something like that. And certainly people seeing that, seeing me, I mean, I've had so many founders reach out to me since I wrote that, that post on Medium saying like, wow, I had no idea that you were actually like kind of a, a nice guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with like some totally sort of bombastic, young, crazy founder. And I just wanted you to fail straight up so I could sort of be proven. And it turns out most people are probably a little bit more multidimensional than that. But it's easy when you see someone like that and you're, you know, I'm, I, I've actually, like, I met up with uh, Ryan Hoover, who he started Product Hunt um, a couple of weeks ago. And I told him the same thing. I was like, I was just so jealous of you <laughs> uh, because I thought you were just like some stupid white kid who just raised a ton of money and then sort of became famous within a year. You know, he went from nobody knowing who he was to like being way more famous than I was. And I was like, I was the young, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. such a stupid game because there's, it's a it's a game that you're going to lose you know it's like it's like it's like model game right like it's not gonna last and the market uh is built in a way that it's not meant to last like it's just perfect you know the average something i read something about how like the average public company in america in the top 100 or 500 or something lasts for 30 years so like best case scenario most successful companies die in 30 years from from birth, that's not from going public or something. That's like you know, Gumroad's been around for eight, so it's not like we're we're already sort of reaching that order of magnitude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, does that make you um, does that make you nervous? Um, I mean, a little bit. I mean, what I've tried to do, uh, especially recently, is really kind of disassociate almost from everything. Uh, and part of that is disassoci- disassociating from Gumroad. Um, and I love working on Gumroad, absolutely. But it's so important, I think, to sort of be your own self and to kind of be your own rock in this sort of like moving river because you don't control so much of this, right? Like Gumroad's doing great now. I think we've we've had sort of like three or four months in a row of like the record months, it's growing. Sort of everyone loves Gumroad right now. We're doing all these cool things. We're being super open. Um, but the pendulum swings, <laughs> you yeah. never know, right? You never know. Like, let's say, for example, like a bunch of, I would say, uh, sort of super conservative people sign up. They're not racist. They're not sexist. They're not homophobic. They're certainly conservative and they're certainly anti-immigration. All these things that Silicon Valley is against. Um, they all start using government and making a lot of money on government. It becomes like 40% of what we're doing in volume or something like that. This is not purely hypothetical, but certainly yeah. a possibility very quickly, like people are going to be like, I don't like Gumroad anymore. Mm. Um, 
because I don't support what they're doing. I don't, you know, and so that's, it's important for me to really know, like, what do I, who am I, like, what do I care about? Um, and, and how do I want to impact the world? Like now that I can kind of redirect resources and attention in a, in a way at a scale that I've just really never really been, been able to do before, even the last months, like, how do I, how do I want to do that? And that requires a lot of thinking. Uh, you spend, you know, it's like you spend 30 hours thinking and like four minutes executing, right? Like it could be as, as simple as a single tweet, right? Yeah. As, hey, we're taking a policy position that we will not allow this or that we will allow this. That's a very simple sort of, or not simple, but a sort of very fast uh, thing to do, but to, 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 to make sure that we're doing the right thing can take a lot of, I mean, you know, even, even that post, like a lot of people are like, oh, that post was really great. Like how long did it take you to write? And I'm like, oh, probably 40 to a hundred hours. Yeah, I believe that. And they're like, what the heck? And I'm like, yeah, yeah because, <laughs> and that's why it's going on the internet, man. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's like, I'm putting this, this thing out there. It's, I'm not going to be able to retract it. And is this what I want to be known for? Like, am I comfortable you know, in, in hindsight, I think it, it's like, oh, yeah, you totally should have, like, you're way more well known, and everyone loves you, because you, you talked about this thing that most people don't talk about. And it was well written and all these great things. But before I hit publish, it was like, do I really want to do this? Like, mm -hmm. do I really want to just say, hey, everybody, like, I'm gonna, I, I, my goal right now is to basically be known as a failure in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, at that point, right, like, we, we were still like, you know, some people knew about the layoffs and stuff, but we were still kind of like doing our thing and kind of like being in the corner. Um, but then to go out and say, hey, by the way, like we raised all this money and we just burned it. We fired almost everybody in the company um, and we started from scratch. And now things are, you know, okay. But, uh, you know, like that's like, you know, that's like, I could, what, what if that's my fault? Like, what if someone reads the articles like, hey, by the way, if you did this other thing, you would have not been had to do any of that mm -hmm. and you could have been uh you could have been patreon or you know whatever like that was certain or my you know like or people uh that would have looked at it and been like wow you hired an incompetent team because people always say like people solve every problem and i believe certainly my team was freaking amazing and no one no one has done that uh literally zero people but that's, you know, just a fear. There's a lot of fear, I think, in putting yourself out there. And the great news is if there's fear, it, it might be worth pursuing because that fear is sort of an indication. Like if there's no fear, you'd be like, like you wouldn't even think about it. You know? Yeah, well, I, well, absolutely. I mean, that actually leads me to a, a question and an idea that, that I have, which is, um, I, I, I can't remember exactly where you, you, you wrote this, um, but it was like the idea behind if you're, we live in, in a philosophy at Penji is if we're not growing, we're failing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you were, wrote something along the lines of if, if you were growing 20% each month, mm -hmm. um, if you weren't growing 20% each month, you kind of looked at it as, as some type of failure. Yeah, totally. More businesses should be looking at these types of 20% increases as potential red flags for their business. I mean, it really depends on what you want. And I think for us, right, like Gumroad was, we'd raised a series A, we had three or four years worth of runway and maybe 10 employees. And we were probably growing, I think 60 or 80% a year, which, you know, for most businesses, they're like, that's a lot. Uh, but for a venture backed startup that, you know, just raised a series A, like that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. If you want to raise a series B and, 
And so it was really, I think I, I wish if I could go back in time and like, I just wish that I, like I had it on the wall, like mm-hmm. we need to be growing this fast in order to raise money. And I came from like a very sort of story driven fundraise. It wasn't about the numbers. It was about me and what I was building and this sort of, this uh, sort of a lot of FOMO, I think on the part of investors and you know, we were going, we were going to go into a, a series B fundraise that was sort of probably going to be mostly numbers driven. And I just didn't really grok that at the time. Like I didn't really understand like, Oh crap. Like I should like, you know, in the last six months, we've only grown 40, 50%. Like that's not good enough. We need to shrink the team or we need to pause hiring. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just absurdly optimistic. I've always been like pretty optimistic. I think optimism is, is a pretty essential uh, part of building a company mm-hmm. because a lot of the other signals you're going to get are going to be pretty cynical, I think, but that can hurt you too. Right. And so I was always like, Oh, maybe next month, like things will be different or like, Oh, we just are, we're, we're just about to launch this thing or, Oh, that month was February. It only has 28 days in it. <laughs> uh, and the, the truth is, I think when you're making excuses, which is what they were making excuses like that. Yeah. It's a red flag. And, you know, people say the shorter the investor update, the better, right? If, if I just sent out like, Hey, we grew this month, this much, this last month, uh, that, and that was it. Like, that's the best thing because it basically means like you do, it's a signal that everything else you're doing is, is great, going great. It's when that number isn't good enough. That's when all the other things matter really, really, really start to matter. And when, when a lot of the problems start to arise. So yeah, I think like we just did this open board meeting, uh, which is a great wow. idea, by the way. I, I absolutely you. loved it. Thank you. Yeah, I think it went over a lot, a lot better than I was expecting. So I'm excited to iterate on it and and see what else we can do with it. Um, and hopefully, more startups do it and it becomes like a thing. Because uh, you know, I would like like people are like, oh man, that was really good. I'm like, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know because like, <laughs> what can you compare it's never it to? Been done before, yeah. <laughs> there's there's no real uh, yeah. So there so that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, there's one graph, which was like the sort of just year over year growth. And, and now you could sort of, it was like 15% in 2017 and then, you know, 25% and now it's close to 40%. So that's a hugely positive sign for us because not only are we growing, but the rate at which we're growing is growing, which is like the best thing ever for a, for a, for if, even if we were a venture back startup, you know, it's one of the most important signals, but we didn't pay enough attention to that when it mattered back in the day. Well, that was actually uh, my next question is like, okay, well, you have these numbers, you seem, you sound like a relatively organized individual. You can disagree with that if you want, but when I, (laughs) you're what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. (laughs) So um, the importance of numbers, because like I'm, I would say I'm a very like numbers driven individual that I'm not. I'm only making smart decisions in business if I'm able to see some type of upward downward trend or just numbers in general. So like, how do you organize numbers within like your own self analysis to make a a quality decision? And then what are the numbers that you're actually looking at that are most important to you? Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't use numbers that much, like much less. And that was actually one of the concerns when, when I decided to do the board meeting, uh, was people would be like, this is the only, these are the only things you look at. Like, no wonder you didn't build a billion dollar business. Um, and obviously like, I I would disagree with that. Like I, I, I certainly do look at the numbers when they, when they matter, but I just think like, 
for a lot of for a lot of things you can simplify drastically like you don't need i think people kind of obsess over the numbers sometimes mm. it's kind of like what, what what i mentioned before with this sort of the 20 percent month over month growth or whatever that number is that you decide it, it does certainly have to be exponential if you're raising venture capital but what it means is you just need you, it needs to be so convincingly positive that all the other stuff doesn't matter like if you're if you're analyzing like minute things here and there and this growth thing over here and this thing over there like that's not how these massive companies get built right it's like you can look at twitter which is like my my canonical example of a company that for a long time was like the butt of every joke in silicon valley like people forget the fail whale you know Mm -hmm. um the site was down like hours every day for years basically uh like think about how absurd that is. Pinterest, by the way, was same thing. Like we were down. It was so. It was like, oh man, lunch hours coming up. It's gonna go down. Like every <laughs> every day, uh, seven p.m. Uh oh, people are coming home from work and wind six uh, six miles southeast. Yeah, I know. It's like, uh oh, yeah, we're not gonna be able to survive this one. Get ready, everybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, and you know the thing is what. When people want your stuff so badly, when the market is 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 like just craving what you've built, you can get away with so much. And when the market is not craving what you've built, it literally doesn't matter how perfect a product you built. Yeah. And you know, I like with with uh, back in 2015 when we started raising the Series B and talking to investors and everything. The sort of the comp was Patreon, and they they were raising money too, and they ended up raising. I think 15 or $20 million at like a over a hundred million dollar valuation, maybe 150 or 200 or something. And what, and like literally both us and Patreon, like I need, I know Jack pretty well, um, the CEO over there. It was like, the joke was almost like Gumroad has a phenomenal product, but not, a f- not phenomenal growth. Mm. And Patreon has phenomenal growth, but not a phenomenal product. Mm. The truth is I, I'd much rather have phenomenal growth growth and not a phenomenal product because i know i can go fix that like i know i can go turn a non-phenomenal product into a phenomenal one which is what twitter's been able to do which is what pinterest has been able to do and every sort of hyper growth company uh almost you can kind of figure that out but if you don't have that growth it's that's sort of an existential thing for your company right which is basically like is this market big enough well if it's not what do you do you got to go find a new market or you got to say we're good with this one, which is what we ended up doing. But you have to make these sort of radical identity uh, sort of decisions. And uh, and yeah, so I, I always say like, just focus, pick a few numbers and really just like focus on those things. And when you see those numbers stop working for you, the, the, the sort of the instinct is to say, okay, well, those numbers are no longer important. We got to find new numbers that are going to validate what we're doing. Like, oh, like our discovery stuff is really working or like the people that are using this new feature are turning into creators at this rate that we've never seen before. And that's really a positive sign. But the truth is, if you're raising external capital, especially like all of that nuance is not going to make it across the table. It's just they're going to look at like, cool, show us your revenue over time. Okay, never mind. (laughs) You know, that's true. Like, we love what you're doing. We love the team. uh, But show me the money. (laughs) Yeah. And at the end of the day, what are investors, right? They're, they're investors uh, sort of by definition, right? Like they're looking for uh, an internal rate of return of 20, 30% a year. Uh, and they're not a charity. They're not 
angel investors do not uh sort of just absolutely uh excessively rich billionaires funding burning man art cars like they're investors they're really investing other people's money well i i can say sorry sorry, i didn't mean to cut you off um I, i i can say that when one of the biggest things that uh, I would say has been our claim to fame or, or the, the, the thing that I am most proud of is the fact that we've been able to build a company from zero to Inc. 5000 without any capital. And, and, and just the relief is, is, it feels so good to be able to, to not have, the, quote unquote, the man, whether that's an investor or whatever it may be, um, kind of down our throat. And I'm sure it's it's is probably that way for you too. You don't, you don't necessarily have that person. I mean, other than the public board meeting that you had, but you don't necessarily have that individual that's down your throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. When, when it comes to, I, I have a couple more questions. Uh, just two more questions. One's a fun one. The other one's just something that I've been thinking about when it comes to just reading your content and doing my research, but it's the idea of wasted time. Um, you've written about it or at least spoken about it. Um, would love to hear your definition of what does wasted time mean to you? Wasted time. That's a good question. I mean, I think wasted time is, is time in which you're not having fun. You're not growing and you're not making money and you're not doing good for the world. And all of those things have to be true for it to be non wasted time, which is to say like, most people are wasting, including myself, are probably not being as, as you know, spending their time as efficiently as, as possible. But for me, that's kind of how I define it, which is there are these sort of four, four axes in, in which I want to be uh, sort of improving, like my happiness, my, uh, the amount of money I have so that I can have more financial freedom and, and do things um, in, in a capitalist society. I want to be helping the world and, and doing a better job that way and I want to be learning and having fun and all the, you know, the, and, and you can do all of those things at the same time in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And I get, I think I get to do that when I work on Gumroad, but even within Gumroad, I'll get stuck in a loop, you know, I'll be like, I'll get really into, um, I don't know, some fixing some bug that an engineer could fix 10 times faster than me. But for some reason I just get stuck on it. And I'm not having fun. I'm not really learning anything. And certainly I'm not doing something super high leverage that's going to make the world better. And yeah. so a lot of it for me is to kind of step back. And, and like I'm always, I think humans, I think, have this tendency to like fill their time. Like, oh, I have free time. Like I'm going to do something. I have to do something. I got to go to the gym. I got to listen to a podcast. I got to go on Twitter. I got to go work on my startup. I got to answer emails. I got to listen to music. I can't just drive from A to B and do nothing but drive and think. Mm. And so that's my, 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 one of the things I'm trying to just do more of is like, it's unlikely that I'm going to be uh, super happy or super successful or super smart because I was, I was taking four hours of productivity and, and stretching it. Right. Um, instead, I'm probably going to make, um, better decisions over time because I'm just going to spend more time thinking about it. And that's going to put me in a totally different place that I couldn't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, like, right. Like writing this, 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 uh, this post on, on failing to build a billion dollar company has done so much for me that I I could not have predicted it. Uh, The day before the minute before 
um, even the day of probably when it, you know, when it went live, but because I had invested so much in this thing that I really believed was important to write for myself and to publish for everybody else, um, you know, just like the, the sort of the implications of that and the second order, third order uh, effects of that are just so, so, so unfathomable. You just cannot predict, cannot predict that. Yeah. And um, I think the other thing is that you just, you, you just, you want to be working on those sorts of things. Like I think it's important to set aside some amount of time on those weird ideas. Just like if you had a financial portfolio, you want to spend five, 10% of your money on just like weird stuff that could go, you know, awesome and could, will probably not. And that's what keeps life interesting. That's what keeps you learning that what might make you um, absurdly wealthy. Uh, But if you're not doing those things, like you're just losing out on what could be, like I can I can't even tell you what you're losing out on. Yeah. I don't know. I just I genuinely don't know. But certainly like if I didn't write that piece, if I just kept doing my thing, um, which would have been the easy thing to do, um, then I don't know where I'd be right now, you know. Yeah, very true. I mean, the unknown is uh will forever remain the unknown, right? Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It doesn't it's quite <laughs> literally impossible uh to really speculate, but that's kind of like I, I the one of the ideas that I've been exploring recently in my my, my own mind is uh, the idea of evolutionary algorithms, right? So like the idea of evolution is that like you have iterate sort of this iterative cycle, and you make a small change, a mutation, and that does a good thing or a bad thing. Ninety nine percent of the time it's bad, one percent of the time it's good, and therefore and you incorporate like the good going forward, right? And over time, and then your algorithms sort of get smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter. And that's like evolution. That's like all these, that's an anti-fragile organization. That's all these things that we see all the time. And I try, I'm trying to like formulate like what, what that means for how I think about my own life. Like, for example, if I drive uh, to a certain coffee shop the same way every time back and forth, because that's what Google tells me to do. I'm not mutating. Like I'm not experimenting. I'm not, maybe if I took another direction, I would have discovered a totally new thing I could paint or, um, or, uh, I don't know, whatever, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Thought could pop in your head. It's yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do is like, I think it's so easy for us to get trapped into these loops because these loops are safe and we're sort of incentivized to survive. And I wonder like, how can I push myself to break out of that loop more often to take a different, to take a different street or, you know, even in painting, I'm always like, what if I just, what if I use this blue instead of this blue? Or what if I just like do this stupid thing that makes no sense in the context of this painting is almost definitely going to ruin this painting. <laughs> uh, but I need to do it. I just need to, I just need to. For your own curiosity. Um, yeah, because it's like, what if, right? Like not exploring the, the what if is to me, it's like. That's the cool. Ultimate, the ultimate, it's like, it's like the risk of, of, of it, it, th- there's this idea that like not taking risks is risky right? Um, you can't not be risky. You're just deciding what level of risk are you comfortable with? Like people say, oh, I, uh, I don't, you know, people that are, there's just like some phobia where you don't even leave your house, right? Because it's like too risky or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get hit by a car or whatever, but like being at home is risky too. True. So you're just picking, you're picking between risks. I, I think the, the metaphor could be something along the lines of, you know, life is very similar to a painting that even if you have this beautiful mural that you're painting and you decide to add a different color, 
paint dries and you could paint over it and you could turn it into something even better than what it, what it originally was, right? Exactly. Yeah. I like the idea of, I heard this uh, before, uh, about a perfect circle. Like a perfect circle does not exist. Mm-hmm. It does, There's nowhere on, in the universe is there a perfect circle. It makes no sense, logically. Um, but we're trying <laughs> yeah. all the time to make perfect circles and more and more and more perfect circles in all of these different ways. Um, and when you see a painting, you, you can feel it. You can be like, oh, that's close to a perfect circle. Like it's getting better and better. And like that, I've just never seen a painting that beautiful or what have you. And then you see another painting and you're like, well, that was even better. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you watch a basketball game, you're like, that performance was, a, was as close to a perfect circle as I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or like when I saw Germany destroy Brazil in the World Cup semifinals uh, for 28 minutes, it was just brutal. But you're like, there, it, there's still more to go. There's still, we can do better as, a, as, a, as people. Um, yeah. And we don't know what that better looks like. It's like, you know, when you eat something, you're just like, that was the best thing I've ever freaking eaten in my whole life. Uh, <laughs> but then you eat something better and you're like, you couldn't even comprehend the, you know, just, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I think that applies, uh, applies on uh, a sort of a broad societal level as well. Yeah, very true. Um, I think we just, yeah, I, I just really think a lot right now about just like how do, how do we push ourselves so that just selfishly, so I can just see more cool stuff, so I can see more, more perfect circles. I love that. I mean, that is absolutely beautiful, um, eloquently said, and and I appreciate your stories thus far. Um, incredibly, incredibly, incredible depth, and uh, I love going down these rabbit holes. Um, but I, unfortunately, we do have to end the conversation because I could probably talk to you for another fourteen hours because um, this is a this is a fun a fun combo. Um, but something that I I think as a founder myself, um, and this is more so like a, a, a selfish question, but I would say you've been able to send over 200 million plus to artists, educators around the world. Um, you know, artists and educators, loosely speaking, of course, but um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you're either lost or confused or just thinking as you've stated, how does that make you feel being able to make that large of an impact to, to society? Oh man, it makes me feel all types of ways. Um, in some ways it's scary. Um, it's in, you know, that that's sort of the power potentially. Uh, I think in some ways it's, I mean, it, I feel super grateful that I get to do it and that I get to be known as someone who's doing that. I think that's like of all the things I could be known for, like, helping creators uh earn a living is is definitely up there um and uh and but most of all it's like it's it's just fun that i kind of get to do whatever i want it allows me like it's it's not like i have to wake up i mean there's certain certain parts i don't enjoy doing for sure but um but in general i just like i love working on it and i think like the opportunity that i get to love what I do every day and I get to get paid to do that and I get to just share it. Like I just get to like do stuff and share my learnings with the world and people are like, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just rare. I mean, even in the early days, like I remember uh, I went to a Thanksgiving party with a bunch of my high school friends when, and I had, everyone was in college. I had dropped out and I was working at Pinterest, I think at the time. And I remember 
like just every single person um or actually no this was actually a few years later so i was already doing gumroad and i think they probably graduated and were working for the first time and it was like no one liked what they were doing you know like they were all in finance or uh law or, or whatever and they're just like i'm making way more money than you are but i'm not doing what i want to do I, like just the, the like the, their their priorities were very different than mine and it was just weird. I just, I can, will never forget that where I was like literally straight up. I was the only person in the room that was like excited to go back to work. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I know that feeling all too well. And I forget how rare it is to really be, and that's kind of why Gumroad exists, you know, in large part, it's to make it more possible. I don't want it to sound like an ad, but it's to make it possible for more people to have experiences like I was able to have. Um, because I think it's important that people know what it feels like and the app store and, and, uh, made that possible for me when I was, you know, younger with, you know, I was able to make stuff and Apple was going to deal with all the annoying payment stuff for me. And that really got me into like, wait a second, like I can just make stuff <laughs> and that stuff's going to make me money so I can just make more of it. Like that's, that's cool. And I didn't really know what it was going to turn into and what the app store, you know, that was like 2009, you know, like the world is so different now. And like, now you can't even imagine a world without any of that stuff. But right. back then it was like, what are you doing? Like you want to make software as a, like for a living, um, but not like working at Google, like just like your own software. Right. It was just sort of incomprehensible. Uh, and even to me, I kind of felt it. I was like, no, there's something here. But I, even I, I think it's sort of like, I didn't, I don't know how aware like now, you know, looking back, this is one message I have for everybody. It's like, looking back, it all makes sense. It's like perfect what happened to me. Um, you know, I dropped out of school. I joined Pinterest. I raised money. I failed. I moved to Provo. Um, I, you know, like all these things that like make me who I am and, and as interesting of a person as I am to myself and other people. Like, I'm so glad for all of those components, even though I don't have any money. <laughs> uh, not yet. Uh, and certainly would have been wise to just stick around at Pinterest or, or whatever, but I'm so glad and grateful for all of those opportunities. And it's always, I, I remember hear, hearing people say it cause it's like, Oh, just be whoever, like just do what you want and like things will work out in the end. And you're like, well, yeah, it worked out for you and there's survivorship bias. Right. So I, I, I agree. I sort of see that too, but it, it worked for me. So, uh, you know, I do think there is a lot of, I think you never know, you never know like what pursuing your, whatever you really want to do with your life. Um, if, if you're, if you're sort of objective about how good you are at it and how, how disciplined you need to be, it's certainly not going to be easy. Um, but I do believe, uh, and I see this all the time with Gummer. Like if you're a musician that really is going to work really hard and, uh, and really try and, and experiment and mutate and learn new weird things because the world's constantly changing and you need to be first or, or near it to, to really um, stick out. Um, you can be successful. You, it is possible. And, and basically that's true for almost anything you do because the beauty of the internet is if you like something, there's a good chance thousands, if not millions of people also like that same thing. Yeah. You just have to find those people that, that are your tribe. Exactly. You have to find them. And the, one of the best ways to find them is to just do it and be public about it. Yeah. And people are searching for that just like you might've been. 
Right. And I, well, and I think to add on top of that, I would say the consistency element of it too, because you could say it once or twice and then stop and then people stop, for, they forget. But then if you're able to do it on a consistent basis, then they'll probably see you more often, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you do. I mean, you're, you're doing oh, it. Oh, 100%. On- I tell people straight up, I'm like, yeah, I tweet every day. Yeah. They're like, I don't have the time for that. I'm like, well, tweeting every day is not that hard. Right. <laughs> but it's important. Yeah. It's important for my own development, uh, even, right? Because, like, it forces me to constantly be thinking and be introspective and really think about, like, what did I learn? Yeah. Um, what do I care about? Like, what message do I want to share? And it's just a, it's a great, I, th- I recommend everybody do it. I really do. Um, and I, you know, it's, it, it's certainly like there's an ego component to it. Uh, but a huge amount of it is, is, is just pure. There's so much growth. Like just this, this idea that I can say something and someone can say, actually, you didn't think of this. And I can be like, Oh wow, I'm now smarter on that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's massively powerful. And, you know, you just think of compound interest. If you can, learn a little bit of something every day like that it can be uh you know you can be in a totally different position in in, in a year absolutely well as we close this this conversation down um i think there's so many life lessons that people can learn from this conversation and you know again i'd like to thank you again for your time if for everybody that is listening, I'd love for them to be able to learn more about the articles that have inspired me, the tweets that uh, I see on a, on a routine basis. Um, where can people find you? Where can people become a customer and uh, learn more about your journey? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. That's the best place. Um, you probably figured that out by now. Um, <laughs> but my handle is at SHL. You can also follow the Gumroad account which I also tweet from occasionally. Um, and then uh, Gumroad, Gumroad, uh, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com is the place to go if you're interested in uh, earning, a li- uh, earning a living doing what you love as a creator. Um, and we'd love to have you. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Sahil Lavinia. All right, listeners, I'm sending a worldwide challenge This week, I would love for you to take your to-do list, and if it is currently digital, do your absolute best to make sure that you write it down on a piece of paper. I've recently been changing my regimen up a little bit. Every single day, I would write in my to-do list of um, all the things I had to do for that day, and I put it on a like you know typical online-based platform whether it's like Evernote or Reminders on a Mac. And I'll be honest, I didn't do a large majority of the things that I, I originally set out to do and wanted to do. But I, I recently put everything to paper and man, has it been absolutely game-changing and life-changing. Um, but needless, needless to say, when you do that, tweet me at J and drop a comment on this week's episode. I'd love to hear your feedback overall if we should do more conversations just like this one. You can find more about Sahil at, directly at, um, at gumroad.com, which is exactly how you think it would be spelled. Um, and also, both of the Medium links that I uh, read specifically are directly in the show notes, so you can check that out there. As for us here, you could check Penji out if you need a on-demand graphic design uh, service all at one flat monthly rate. You can head over to penji.co to learn more. 
And uh, again, if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could just share this with a friend. It is the only way that we can cure blindness in business. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.